0: I'm Sinead O'Moore, and you're listening to Every Mum, the podcast. Every Mum, the podcast was created for one reason, to get honest about parenthood, about the realities, the joys, the surprises, and the fears, the moments that form us, and the ones we don't hear people talk enough about, which is why we are so proud to partner with Water Wipes as our sponsor for this season, as they share this mission with us and are such an essential brand for every mum. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes containing just two ingredients, 99.9% water and just a drop of fruit extract, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water, and also the proud winners of three national parenting product awards 2020, including Best Baby Wipes. During the early days as a parent, everything is uncertain, but choosing the right wipes shouldn't be a worry. With no artificial fragrance, soap, silicones or colours, Water wipes are suitable for sensitive newborn and even premature skin. Together, we are committed to providing more reassurance for parents with trusted products and this podcast, helping us to all take those important steps towards greater confidence while building a community of support for every mum. This episode discusses the loss of a baby, a pain that no parent should
1: suffer, but sadly many do. This week... From the 9th to the 15th of October 2019 is Baby Loss Awareness Week, where we remember the lives of babies lost in pregnancy or soon after birth, and where we respectfully acknowledge the strength of every parent learning how to heal after loss. In this episode, I talk to Sarah Tobin, who very sadly lost her firstborn baby, Alice, following birth. Her story, her courage, and her kindness in opening up so as to support anyone else who is experiencing trauma is honestly incredible. Through her own healing journey, Sarah has discovered a practice called tapping, or EFT, emotional freedom technique, which can treat physical pain and emotional distress by restoring balance to your body's energy and by telling your brain that you are safe to release any fight, flight or freeze stress that you may be carrying. She now uses this to help heal others through her supportive practice Tapping for Mums and in this episode explains how through healing she has found happiness again. Sarah understands that healing can begin through knowing that you are not alone and tonight at 7pm on October 15th 2019 candles will be lit creating a wave of light across the world in support of parents and in remembrance of the infants that they have lost. We invite you to light your candle and remember. Sarah, thank you for joining us today on Every Mum, the podcast. And I also want to thank you for doing something incredible, which is taking the most unbelievable pain and turning it into something that is now helping other women in so many different ways. Well, thank you for having me and for wanting to share the story. I suppose we should start with um, a very special little
2: girl who has led to this day. She has. Tell us about Alice. Yeah. Um, Alice is our first born, our only daughter, and we unfortunately had to switch off our life support around day five. Um, and gosh, so she would be five at the end of November. And this feels like a lifetime away from that day, like who I am now where we are, I have, we have two beautiful boys, Casper, who's three and a half, Josh, who's one and a half. And if you'd asked me back then, where would I be in five years, I don't think I could picture this. Um, So I'm very, very grateful that I'm here now to be able to share my story, her story, and do what I do and what I intend to do over the next few years. After losing Alice,
1: you went on a path of having to heal yourself Mm. and you tried many different things Um, and one technique called tapping seemed to have quite an impact on you. Can you tell us more about that?
2: Yeah, so I was pregnant with Casper and luckily I got pregnant four months after Alice had passed, um, which was great because it brought a huge amount of relief. But then with that brought Oh, more pressure um, and really only now am I realising that I wasn't mentally ready or physically ready to have another baby but I felt like I just we just needed our lives to move on and that if we got pregnant again and quickly there would be a sense of relief and we could move on, we could look to the future again um, so it was great <clears throat> but then we obviously, you know, I was in the middle of suffering from, I suppose severe PTSD which I didn't know at the time, wasn't diagnosed or anything I didn't even go to the doctor about anything Is that
1: not strange? <laughs> I mean Probably, yes. <laughs> I, I know your story yeah, um, and you know I know what happened but I think it's important for people listening today to understand the like, why you had that post-traumatic stress and mm. I, I'm surprised to hear that a doctor didn't pick that there up. There was no
2: follow up. You know, there was I was physically checked. I think I had to go to a postnatal check, six week checkup. Um, and the only thing that I had checked, I suppose was where I had an episiotomy at the end of the labour to enable Alice to come out. Um, and when she did come out, I kind of will go into that now a little bit. Um, she was unable to breathe by herself she was kind of limp, floppy, lifeless. And then they took her to the NICU, which was luckily in the same hospital, you know, an amazing unit. Um, so they took her up and put her on cooling, which is a treatment used for when babies suffer from lack of oxygen. And it's 72 hours of cooling, so you can't hold them or do anything for that period of time while they're waiting to see if it will help with the brain. Um, I suppose to regain some recover some of the damage and mm. function functionality of the brain. Um, Alice's brain damage was far too severe and we found that out. We had an MRI scan on day three and we had found out the results, I think day five and then we decided on that day to, to withdraw life support. It was just, there was just going to be no hope really for her, which in a way was good, you know, in thinking because it gave us a reason to help her move on. Mm. Um we weren't clinging to any form of kind of like hope that she could have, you know, a normal life or anything. Um so that made it easier. Um and it was a healthy pregnancy up until yeah, everything point. was absolutely fine, everything was fine. In hindsight we've had um, a legal team look at all the documentation. We've had experts review everything and they have felt that she had cord compression during the labor at some stage. So th- not that, that wouldn't have been stopped. But we definitely believed that the midwife team should have identified it sooner. Um, and when it was identified, it was just too late, really.
1: So you had gone through a normal, healthy pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And in your mind, thought that it was a healthy and mm-hmm. healthy labour. Yeah. Um,
2: I was in the pool and everything.
1: <laughs> so... This is probably where the post-traumatic stress will kick in because yeah. you had no pre-warning or concerns whatsoever. Yeah, it was a kind of an
2: assault on my senses. And, you know, it was a—I I call them now big T's, big trauma. It was like a huge trauma. And when you have a big trauma like that, you can often get uh, flashbacks. Mm. And that's what I was suffering from a lot.
1: And once then you were told that there was a problem. And that Alice was taken up to the cooling. Mm. At what point did you did, did or did you get
2: to have any physical contact with her? Yeah, after the seventy two hours, we were able to to feel her and um, get her out. And we never had skin to skin or anything because she was just covered in so many wires. Mm. So she was she'd she'd had clothes on at this point, so we were able to put clothes on her. Um, and the staff were great. You know, they would let us change her nappies and care for her and that kind of thing. And then they got let us hold her. But I think we only held her twice, two or three times. But my family weren't allowed to touch her. You know, like, I think during the 72 hours of cooling, only the parents are allowed to touch them. And I think towards the end, my mum was just like, saw it and just started, you know, yeah. held her hand and stuff like that. I think it's... <clears throat> I don't know. Must be it's regulations more than anything. Um, so that was hard for them. They just weren't allowed. They were just allowed to peer in at her little bed, but they weren't allowed to like touch. This was in a hospital in the UK. Mm. So you, you got, you know, you told your family, "Come, oh yeah, be with me." Yeah, my, um, I think Dave Blassim had to ring and say what was going on. Probably one of the worst phone calls he could make. Um
1: it's important to acknowledge that because there are two of you in this. Mm-hmm. This is a story that impacts you and Dave.
2: Yeah, he had to really because I was oblivious to the severity of the situation for at least. Oh. At least like nearly 12 hours or more, maybe even more. And so he had to break it to me, like because he went up, I had to. I had to wait for theatre for the episotomy stitching to be done um, so he went up to see Alice and talked to consultants and he had a kind of a better idea of what was going on my mum and my sister were basically on the first flight over the next day and they arrived just after the consultant had come in to really explain what what was wrong and I still had a catheter for like a day and a half waddling up to the the NICU to go and see her and you know you think you'd want to be there all the time but it was exhausting being there all the time because A I was recovering and I think just mentally taking in the room the all the other people there like Alice was by far the biggest baby on that room she was full term yeah I think Everybody knew that she was maybe the worst in the room, you know.
1: I'm sure it also wasn't the reality that you were expecting following the birth. No. Um. so being placed in that environment, again, would have assaulted the senses. Yeah. Oh, God, the beeps and the noises.
2: And yeah, it was unbelievable. But in, in, in a funny way, I'd been following a premature baby on social media for like the months leading up. And so to see their journey and him come through and see she explained loads of stuff, actually was really good for me because I, it was familiar in that sense because I'd seen it Mm. only recently, you know, Mm. recently enough. But I didn't ever expect it to be our story. (laughs) Um,
1: You got to the point where, as you said, you were told that there was no brain activity and the decision... You have said, you know, at least was kindly made. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was no hope. Yeah. But that doesn't remove the loss. um, And it doesn't change that, you know, you had to leave that day. Yeah.
2: And, you know, I won't get into it too much, but the waiting for her to pass was very, very, very difficult. And I, I laughed. There was a There was a nurse that looked after her called Florence. And she was amazing. Sorry. (laughs) But uh, it's like Alice waited for Florence to come back on shift before she would pass and then Florence looked after her. Took her down to the mortuary and stuff. So we could go back to our family. Like by the end of it. I was just dying to get out of the hospital. dying to be away from the whole scene I was willing her we were willing her to pass for hours it was just it was really really hard because you wanted to escape I wanted I wanted it all to be over for everybody for her to not be suffering anymore or to be in a better place for us to just then try and take in what had gone on and then start the process Tell me about
1: those first few weeks at home then. Yeah. Following such a loss. Yeah, pretty pretty depressing. <laughs> going home to a home that
2: was prepared <laughs> <Set up> to <laughs> welcome a baby. Yeah, really hard. It was really hard because we still had the car seat in the hospital with us. That's what actually was triggering for me when we brought Casper at home. Cause we got to bring him home in a car seat, and then we walked in the door. I just cried so much. I took him out of that car seat, and I was like, "I never got to do that with her." It was kind of it hit home almost when we had Casper safely home, because we had no experience of the babies in the house before that. You know, we didn't know what we'd lost in a way. You think you know, but you don't really know. You don't, no. How long after coming home did
1: you start recognizing, or did somebody help you recognize that you need to, you need to find other sources of support um, for your for your own mental health? Well,
2: luckily for me, I've always been very spiritual and into a variety of holistic therapies and things. So straight away, I got myself back to acupuncture. I had a Reiki session or two. And I um called on some support from a husband and wife healing t- team, I suppose you could call them um and I did a Skype session with them they're based in Croatia. I'd seen them once before and thought they were amazing and so i just I just started to call on hmm. go back to I suppose the things that I would have done beforehand i tried I told you earlier I was trying headspace, but like, hmm. literally just it was pointless. It was like my head couldn't go there. At the time, though, because yeah, yeah, you just couldn't be left in your thoughts. No. And I busied myself with things, you know, I was very... I was into photography at the time, so I rebuilt my website, redesigned my logo, you know, just, I was just doing stuff but not working. You started an online clothes brand, which is... Well, that was out with Casper, actually. So that was later. Mm. But that definitely helped with the postpartum mental state that I was in mm. with Casper. Um, I drank every day probably for the first three months. You know, Mm it would be like wine Mm o'clock, six o'clock. Just get through the day so I could have a glass of wine. Mm. (laughs) It was like just totally numbing. And then, you know, there was an element of me just saying, all right, I can't do this anymore. Well, I need to sort it out. And then going back to kind of finding out I was pregnant with Casper and everything, a couple of months into that, so we had an early pregnancy scan. Everything was okay. Um, And I just... I just knew the anxiety and the build-up to the pregnancy, to the Mm labour was going to be really difficult. So I kind of preempted myself and I was talking to my sister Debbie and I was like, what am I going to do? I need to do something. And she suggested trying or looking up EFT, which is Emotional Freedom Technique, otherwise known as tapping. I found somebody local called Kate and to say that that first session was life-changing is probably an understatement. It... Gosh, I just felt a million times lighter having left that... You mm. know, I think it was maybe an hour and a half, two-hour session. Um, it really helped release some of that raw trauma. And with... When I booked her Kate, I booked a session, a, a packet of sessions. It was like six sessions or something. So I did about four or five before Casper's birth. And I left one for afterwards, which I really needed. Um... Mm. And so we got on Skype and I literally cried for an hour while we did some tapping. And it. it just was amazing. I was really struggling with breastfeeding. And, I you know, looking back now, I know why that was because of the trauma I was reliving, the triggers I had been triggered by. Um, and so, you know, the oxytocin was not necessarily <laughs> flowing in my body, um, having had a C-section and I didn't feel like, <clears throat> I hate to say it, but I didn't feel like I bonded with him straight away, you know, and I because of potentially the triggers that I was experiencing and um, I'm sure there's an element of being braced for
1: loss again, too. Yeah, It's hard to go towards that labor and imagine a happy ending yeah, after well, what you I, experienced. I,
2: did. I, I wasn't too bad because I'd done the work and I would did a lot of pre birth visualization with my tapping therapist and um, even when I went in for that and C- I knew it was a C-section so I knew it was going to be controlled it wasn't like an emergency C-section it was all very planned and calm and the lady the midwife that assessed me that morning was like took my blood pressure was like your blood pressure is extremely low <laughs> like good low mm. and she, my pulse was really calm and everything so she was, she remarked about how calm it was so I think that's remarkable I never expected it to go differently with Gaspar I definitely okay. expected a positive outcome I was like I'm going to guarantee a positive outcome here okay. I'm not <laughs> having anything like that again um, and we went back to the same hospital for it um, that must
1: have been incredibly challenging yeah
2: I don't don't really know why I did that <laughs> I don't know oh, I don't know what hindsight whether that was a good idea or not maybe not I mean there was and there was another trigger too so I I didn't recover very well from C-section. So, like, I was very weak. I couldn't get out of bed. It was just all very upsetting. The vulnerability got me, you know, Mm. not being able to look after myself. I really struggled with that. And then I was bleeding again. And so they took us back in in the middle of the night one night so I could go on a drip of some antibiotics. But they had no room in the recovery suite so we're on the labour ward again. So, you know, I hadn't been in the labour ward for his labour because I was Mm -hmm. in the theatre and then in the recovery or in like a a single room. Um, So like Dave had to sleep on the floor. We heard women in labour and that was really triggering. We had Casper with us. Yes. So we were in there for about 24 hours while the drugs kicked in. And that definitely made a difference. I definitely felt better after that. But so that her first whole week, first two weeks. Yeah, was tricky. Of, hit, of of parental leave that that is supposed, supposed to be like fun and amazing and mm. lovely mm. bonding time with the three of you and stuff like that. Yeah, that was t- difficult. So I had a tapping session that week as well to help with all the emotion that was coming mm. up. Um, and I never predicted all that emotion was going to come up. It just never entered my head. So I suppose it's, I was lucky I had the, the session, you know. Available. Tell me what EFT
1: is so that I can, you know, so we can understand why yeah. it had such power on you.
2: Yeah, so EFT is, sometimes they call it acupressure or acupuncture without the needles. Um, and it's using the acupressure and acupuncture points in the body that send signals back to the amygdala in the brain. So when we have a trauma or experience a threat on our emotional state, um, our brain flips into the flight fight freeze mode. It's called the parasympathetic nervous system. so basically the adrenaline and the cortisol start pumping through your body. That's why you might get an increased heart rate might be difficult to sleep. Um, you might feel kind of fidgety or get you know restless legs. Um, you might eat get more hungry because you're kind of getting you're gearing you up need, for battle. Yeah, exactly you need to like run or fight. Um, and freeze is often when you go take to the bed when you get like frozen you're kind of stuck you just need to sleep it off Um, so that's what happens in trauma and the act of tapping on key points called key meridian endpoints which link to acupressure and acupuncture it sends a signal into the brain to stop um, the production of the cortisol and adrenaline and to switch off the fight, flight, freeze mode, putting you back into rest um, and recovery, which is when your cells can kind of purge all the toxins and, and release and calm down, and everything kind of returns to normal. Um, so it is the tap. You so see, you do tapping while you're talking about how you're feeling. So it's kind of like talk therapy on speed, where you are combining the physical thing and the mental talking.
1: About a year ago, I was lucky to be part of a session that you ran. Um, I joined you at a Wellness of Women event. And I arrived feeling quite frazzled. I remember it was an incredibly busy time career-wise and there was kind of pressure coming up for me and I I knew that you would be there and I really mm-hmm. wanted to meet you properly I know that we had been in contact for many years yeah. so kind of back and forth for various things in this in this industry but I um I I committed to saying I'm I'm going to do this session with you I'm a bit of a cynic when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to things. Um, I don't freely kind of just believe that something is going to be powerful or or, or work. But um, I was there and it was you and I trust you and I'm going to give it a go. There's about 120 women in that room. <laughs> so
2: they kept coming in. It was amazing.
1: It was incredible. I felt the absolute reverberations of this release of of just individuals who all of a sudden it became a room of connection. Not that anybody was openly, it wasn't, you know, us sitting around talking <laughs> to each other, but there was almost like this band of energy. It, I, can't, I can't fully describe how it felt, but within moments of you starting, because I was interested and because I was kind of exploring it as opposed to just being in it, I did open my eyes, I did kind of look around. Everyone had the same expression on their face. Everyone was fully in this session. You could physically see the lump in throats <laughs> <laughs> rising, and I remember afterwards you kind of you had a bit of an interaction session, and you asked some people questions and things. And it was like this permission for everybody in the room to just be like, I'm in pain over something. It didn't matter what it was, mm. you know, it was just I'm feeling in pain over something and I'm here today to let it out. And um, it was for anybody that was there, and I have spoken to people since that were there, it was honestly just powerful. It really was. Um, wow. Since that, I've joined you on some of the online ones. And again, I kind of cynical head went, yeah, but like the online thing isn't going to be as powerful (laughs) as it might be if I'm in the room with her. Within moments, on one occasion, I was bawling my eyes out. (laughs) And and it was was a session again. I was kind of like, oh, it's actually I don't really have time for this, but I committed Mm. to it and okay, I'm just going to do it. Bawling my eyes out on another occasion, fell fast asleep, like you didn't even know. <laughs> you probably ended the session because it was a, it was a group yeah. session. Um, but online, you probably didn't even, I woke up like three hours later with the laptop still on my chest. Um, I'm
2: glad I had that effect.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, but it it was obviously so whatever you released in me just deep. Just whacked deep, you. Deep yeah. whacked out. Um, and most recently, in, in preparation for today, um, but also because you have genuinely helped me in my own anxiety, um, we had a session last week and you've learned an amazing gift through this pain. Yes. You have learned an amazing um, uh, technique. And ability um, and you are there is no doubt in my mind helping an enormous amount of women deal with their own feelings and their own whatever tension or anxiety that yeah. they are carrying. I hope so <laughs> and it's not it's not necessarily about uh, baby loss or birth no. trauma. your practice <clears throat> is being shared with anybody who is experiencing... Some and we're all carrying something. Yes, we are all. Yeah. We're, nobody is free of that. No one's immune. No
2: one is immune because to it. The way our brain works, it's the way our brain works, <laughs> our brain works. Yeah. and we are not taught this. We are not taught how our brain works. We're not taught how to let go. I mean, we all say, "Oh, just let it go," like just get over it. How do you let it go? We're not taught how to do that. Our bodies don't know. How, our bodies can't do that, unless. Oh, okay. I'll get into some detail. We, we are, you know, our brain is made up of the conscious and subconscious. Our conscious minds operate at 5% compared to 95% of our subconscious mind. So what we have going on in the subconscious far outweighs the conscious mind, which looks after decision-making, creativity, um, the things that we do on a daily basis that are, you know, conscious decisions. The subconscious mind acts out all of our belief system, which is everything we learn before the age of seven. I right, just take that in for a second. It's kind of scary as a mum and a parent wow. that we are responsible for children in the, at the time that they're shaping their belief system. We, our brains are in basically what's called alpha state, which is meditative state. So our children are wandering around in creative joy, they live in the present moment. They take in everything around them. They often believe that what's happening around them is related to them. So if things negatively going on around them, they can infer that it's their mm, fault. Mm, mm. Um, that's just how we it's are. Really
1: why they're they're so sensitive and yeah. actually great at
2: reading a room. Yes. Yeah. And they feel their emotions and they let them go really quickly. Yes. Right. It's, it's a the, it's a big instant. emotion and it's out. Oh yeah, yeah. My son Casper is like absolutely joyful and happy, or completely crazily angry, mm. and that's it. There's two. Okay, <laughs> he's not shown anything mm-hmm. in between yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so but it's a wonderful state of being because yeah. you
1: you let it go. Like, yeah,
2: there is nothing. They, but that's we naturally know how to let it go. Yeah, and then so when do we lose that? I'm not sure. Is it culturally
1: we're told to just silence pain and not give out or not wage?
2: And we suppress our emotions. Mm. I'm reading a lot lately about people as a way to release them, is actually to feel them. And for a while I was thinking that tapping was a way of almost getting rid of the the feeling. But the act of tapping and talking about how you're feeling really helps you actually process the feeling and work through the feeling. So it's not about actually getting rid of it. It's Mm -hmm. acknowledging it first thing you do is acknowledge what you're feeling, where you're feeling in your body and how it's making you feel. And then while you're tapping about, you're tapping on the points, thinking and feeling that feeling and talking about it, then something basically switches in the brain it's like a, a switch is flipped and it's like, okay, I can release
1: that now. Is it that your brain thinks, oh, she got the message. I don't have to keep nudging her. Yeah. Like, oh, she listened. She has said it out loud, therefore, bingo, she's she's acknowledged us.
2: Yeah. Bad things happen to us repeatedly until we take up and uh, stand up and take action. So often we will create our own. It's our limiting beliefs, basically draw negative stuff to us until we change something.
1: It's like I told you before, I have to tell you again.
2: It's like our, our subconscious is trying to parent us. Because it's designed to keep us alive. Yeah, it's a safety strategy. So as a young child, if it's safer for you to be not seen in the household and to be up in your room playing with your toys on your own, quiet, then that's what you're going to do, isn't it? Because it's safe. So I tell the story of, uh, say, a two-year-old in a car crash. Mm. Very conceivably, they might believe the world's not a safe place because something out of the blue happened and the car crashed say physically then everything's fine. But mentally, they might make a belief. Basically, and every time something happens, you kind of make a belief or a decision based on that. They would make a belief that the world's on a safe place. That belief might then keep them safe. They might then become very cautious when they're out and about on the street, crossing the road, etc. And that might keep them safe. But over time, if that's not shifted as they get older, and that's still ploughing away in the 95% of the subconscious that's ruling everything, mm. you could become microphobic. That's when a belief becomes a limiting belief. And then that that's more dangerous because it's holding you back. It's holding you back from your potential and from what you might want in life.
1: In your instance, it was very easy for you to identify what was the cause of the trauma. Yeah. But in your work, are you saying now that you know these these traumas could have existed far before you were even conscious of the fact that you took them on?
2: Yeah, yeah, yes. 100%. And I do believe they go back to in neutral. I think you can kind of get the sense of feelings and what's going on around you. So how do you work with people to try and identify what it is that is the
1: root of this anxiety or these limiting beliefs?
2: Yeah, most people that I work with, they've not come to me necessarily from huge trauma. It's small teas, small traumas, repetitive small traumas in the early ages of their lives can have had a massive impact on the core belief system like i'm not good enough i'm not lovable and um, it's not safe to be me some of the basic things that if you looked at your children now you'd be like they're all the things i want them to believe every time i work with someone and i, I even in my own healing work which has gone back to my childhood and as well it's like there is no blame because everyone most people are doing the best they can with the knowledge and experience they have at the time. Hmm. And I think understanding that, that's what we're doing now as mums. We're only, we're parenting with the best knowledge and the ability that we have right now at this moment. doesn't mean in 10 years time we're going to learn a better way, hmm. but that's okay. That's all I can do right now. So when I, when I work, go back and work with a client on healing, their past is done from that same compassion, I suppose, and same perspective.
1: So being more compassionate with yourself, you've learned this technique and you use it on yourself. Mm, Um, A lot. (laughs) How has it changed how you are now embracing motherhood and how has it changed how you have been able to move forward and remember Alice Mm. and love Alice,
2: but also move on without Alice? Yeah. on most occasions, this not being one of them, I can talk about Alice mm. <laughs> without crying, you know, so I can look back, the raw trauma's gone, um, we can live our lives, I can see pictures of her in the house or see my little tattoo on my finger and, and not get upset, like that just doesn't upset me mm. because I've moved into the new normal and I have a very spiritual relationship with her, you know. I see her when I meditate or when I close my eyes at night time I can find her so I have a very concrete relationship with her that I'm comfortable with Mm -hmm. Um, we've now got two two boys so since Casper which was a C-section we moved to a different hospital and I had a vaginal birth after cesarean or VBAC Mm -hmm. and I did tapping in the build up to that, I went and saw my therapist again we did a whole visualisation of how it would work we took Josh no, it was called Josh we took him through it, like showing him a movie of how it was going to happen it went to the letter, even to the music I was playing I pictured everything, I had my crystals my essential oils, my homeopathy the works, it was like an amazing an amazing experience and I felt like superwoman and I had a very lovely bonding with him. Very, very instant, very natural. The hormones were working. Yeah. So the whole thing was just felt like a full circle completion of. I felt like I bloody deserved that birth, you know, after everything we've been through. Um, And something we often hear,
1: you know, when we're being coached into birth, the presence of adrenaline and cortisol as a result of anxiety can really impact the release of the hormones that are there designed to help you to labour and to help you to bond. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: So it's the inc- tapping the whole way through. That. That's it. Yeah. It's it's and, and tapping is a solution and, mm. and a very powerful one. But I think more importantly, for women to understand actually that the a feeling can also have a physical result. So the feeling of worry or stress or anxiety is releasing a hormone into your body. Yeah. And that hormone in your body is impacting on how your body can and should perform. Yes. And it's not, you know, there's a there's a reason there's a cause. It's not, you know, not to blame yourself if you're not feeling like you're connecting. That's such a good point. You know, to look at are there
2: circumstances?
1: Yeah. Are there things that are impacting actually the release of those hormones? Mm. And what can you do to be kinder to yourself and to perform more you know, it's self-care isn't a a thing, a, yeah. a fad. Like we're not doing the things that we should for ourselves in order for our bodies to operate optimally, particularly when it comes to prenatal and perinatal. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And for years afterwards, and for years yeah. afterwards.
2: This is not just a one a one month or a six month or one year thing.
1: No and i and I, I mean i'm here talking about it i'm the worst offender of that <laughs> you know that i know <laughs> i'm the worst offender of that but because we fall
2: into this um self sacrifice you know yeah, it's all I, I do think that it's underlying it's linked to an underlying limiting belief of maybe that we're not good enough i'm not worthy i'm not good enough yeah i do and i think by going to the root cause and working on that, the knock on effect is massive. Mm. It's across everything. Health, mental state, happiness, bonding, connection, love. It's limitless. We've got to work on those limiting beliefs because they're, they're limiting <laughs> and they're holding us back from so much.
1: I can't imagine a reality where I could move forward having experienced the loss that you have had. Mm-hmm. So hearing your story about how you did, you did successfully begin to heal yourself. Yes. You did successfully begin to create a, a, a motherhood that y- you are enjoying, you know, yeah. that you are living. Not, not. We're happy. You're happy. We you are
2: happy. You Genuinely are a happy woman. happy. I am. Do you know, and this sounds so weird, but it, it is true. I am happier now. In myself than I was before Alice because I've been doing the work. I didn't realise that I was an anxious person (laughs) and it's totally down to this work. I'm working on my subconscious beliefs um, and I unearth them all the time (laughs) and it's through no fault of anybody's, it's just how my brain has processed life to date and I'm sure I'll be working on them for a long time in the future (laughs) but that's fine. It's not You know, it's revelatory and it's it's interesting and it's releasing and it brings more joy into my life.
1: It's um, and now because of it, you are helping others to do exactly that. Mm. So you set up Tapping for Mums, which, you know, is a business now that you are providing this as you know, you've trained in everything and now you're helping others to to release whatever it is that they're holding on to, the pain that they're carrying. And to try and find their happiness. Yeah. Um, It's something that I have tried. I can honestly say hasn't fully fixed, but we're getting there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's powerful and I believe in it. And you're the most, you're the biggest testament I can think (laughs) of for that, because I'm sure most people listening today um, could never imagine having the happiness and strength
2: that you currently embody. Thank you, and I mean I wouldn't have imagined it either. It is a shock to me too, in a way. Um, but you know, I found something that really worked for me, and it worked because it actually works. You know, it's not just um, the science behind it. You know what I mean? It's not it's not woo woo. Mm. Although I do like a bit of woo woo. This, <laughs> is, this is not just pure, pure woo woo, um, and. I I was I was looking at like my Instagram feed and mums talking about their mental health and everything and I was like I know something that can help I know something that can help and it was seeing all the people being open and honest about their current mental situation that made me want to set up Tapping for moms because I was like I do know something that can help. If it helped
0: you. Yeah.
2: I mean coming from a very very tragic state very rock bottom then. I know something that can help other people. So that's why I've been banging on about it, basically. You know, it's been very well received mm. because people are actually crying out for something that works, you know. And so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting journey and a, an exciting road ahead, hopefully. Um, How can people get in touch with you to have you help them? So I have a website called com, or they can find me on Instagram is just my name, Sarah underscore Tobin. Um, I'm also on Facebook too, for slash tapping for mums. And you run oh on, on, YouTube. <laughs> on YouTube, yeah. I have a free. If anybody wants to just like have a go of tapping on certain mum-related topics, there's a free, slightly embarrassing YouTube videos you can tap along to. Not embarrassing at all. <laughs> they're,
1: they're a wonderful resource because you can you can do it in your own time you can do it at home you can trial it and you can see is this something
2: that is going to help you that's what I love about it it's so empowering because you don't have to book any once you know the technique you can do it whenever wherever you don't have to book a therapist to you know I would definitely recommend it for big trauma stuff or the deeper limiting belief stuff but kind of every day in the in the heat of the moment emotion that you want to clear it's amazing and um, yeah you can just do it whenever you need it Sarah, thank you for joining us today on Every Mum, the podcast. Um,
1: As I said, I think you are the the strongest mother that I know. Stop. (laughs) And um, I'm so happy for you that you discovered this technique. And I'm so happy that you can now enjoy your two little boys and also remember Alice with such warmth. Yes. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Every Mum, the podcast. And thank you to Sarah Tobin for sharing her story. If you would like to experience tapping, we have included a guided video on the Everymum article page accompanying this episode. And if you have been affected by any of the themes discussed, please don't suffer alone. Talk to your support system, to your GP, or to one of the many baby loss services available in Ireland listed within the show notes. If this episode has helped you, please let Mum know by sharing on Facebook and Instagram using hashtag EveryMumThePodcast, or by leaving a review.
0: This series is kindly supported by Water Wipes. Water Wipes are an essential for every mum from that first nappy change and during those messy weaning months. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes, Water Wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and are proud sponsors of every mom The Podcast.